Welcome to the Legends Lounge on the Country Sport Breakfast. And here they come. Dean Bell will cherish and remember this magic moment in his rugby league career like none other. And Dean Bell has had some magic moments. The crowd welcomes the Auckland Warriors. By the end of this weekend, three other new chums will join them. Well, joining us in the Legends Lounge this morning is a true, true legend of rugby league in New Zealand. He had the, the nickname of Mean Dean and Dino, Dean Bell. Morning, Dean. Morning, Brian. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Before we look back at your incredible career in rugby league, I want to just take you back only 28 years when the Warriors first ran onto what was then Ericsson Stadium. It was, uh, it was March the 10th, 1995, and the Warriors were led by you. For you out front, that would have been a goosebump moment, wouldn't it? Well, I think it was a bit more than that, actually. I've been very lucky to sort of uh, led teams out at, at Wemby Stadium on a number of occasions. And, you know, there's, oh, I used to think back then that in front of 100,000 people, that would be the ultimate sort of feeling, but uh, the ultimate buzz. But no, certainly, I'd have to say, well, while it's not probably better, it was just equal with that, uh, that feeling of walking out of Wembley at Ericsson Stadium that night. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, I suppose a, a special moment for me too, sort of coming home, Played most of my footy, obviously, in Australia and in the UK mainly. And, um, yeah, just coming home, and it was my swan song my last year, so it uh, couldn't have been a better experience, really. And what an atmosphere. I mean, Ericsson Stadium, as it was then, was absolutely full of the Warriors faithful. They were seeing them, the team for the first time. We spoke to the Mad Butcher last week about it, and he said he had tears coming down his face just seeing it happen. It was quite a big moment for New Zealand Rugby League, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a. Um, I suppose I've heard some people say, you know, the biggest moment in in New Zealand rugby league. And I mean, while it's you know maybe not for me to say it was, but I think obviously it was one of the one of the top moments. I mean, obviously winning the World Cup was very special to um, New Zealand as well. But I think, um, yeah, I think just the the I suppose the the anticipation of of the event, you know, the the build up, everything that was going on behind the scenes, the marketing was. You know, we were doing things that you know you'd only ever dream of. You know, we were we were surpassing the All Blacks even for uh, attention. You know, so yeah, there was a lot of things going on. And but I mean, emotion plays a big part in how you play in footy. But I knew that you know we weren't there for the occasion. We were there to to win a footy game. So uh, while we didn't do that, I suppose it's probably the only time I've actually played in a game and and got something out of it um, after losing a game because. I just knew that, you know, we're playing the famous Brisbane Broncos and I knew that, you know, that what type of team they, they were and I didn't know what type of team we were. I suppose that was the big thing, the unknown. We were going into the unknown. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great night. The spectacle was great. The footy was great. Um, the result, while a little bit disappointing, still, you know, we, we, uh, we laid a good platform for that first game anyway for our, uh, our season ahead. Absolutely, only three points in it. Let's go back to where it all began for you. You came from a very famous rugby league family where George, Ian, Cameron, Glenn, Cathy Bell and Clayton Friend, your cousin. So I guess for you it was always going to be rugby league, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just... Yeah, my wife doesn't believe it. She's a, she's a pom. She's <laughs> from, from a soccer city um, up north. So she 
she sort of asked me, what did I do, you know, after school? I said, well, play footy. Or, well, what did you do um, during school? I said, play footy. What did you do on the weekends? Play footy, you know? It's, um, it, was, it was quite a, um, yeah, it was quite an experience growing up uh, when I did. It was just, um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't change anything. Um, I was born into rugby league. I mean, at, at, at one time, my, my dad and some of his uh, brothers, because it was a big Maori family, they were, they were a family of 12 children, you know, there was a lot of cousins that we used to play footy with, and wherever we could, we'd be playing footy. You played your first club, I think, might have been the Manukau Magpies. Would that be right? Yeah, well, that's my only club in, in New Zealand. Um, I, never, I never went anywhere else. It just, yeah, it was funny. I was brought up in Otara, um, again in South Auckland. But, um, you know, a lot of my family were, were playing for Manukau at the time, so it just sort of natural for me to sort of go to that club. And, um, you know, we, we had some very good players come out of there. Why did you decide, say, to go to England and play and you played for Carlisle and Leeds initially for two seasons instead of maybe leaping over the Tasman and playing over there? Well, I think it was just a time when um, England became the place to go, really. It was, um, you know, it didn't really matter to us. We, I mean, it was an amateur game. I was, I was working in the freezing works when I went over there and I think... Um, I went over there with uh, Ian Bell, my uncle, and Clayton, um, my uh, cousin, and we just wanted to go for the experience. And and really, I, I didn't know that my career was sort of going to take off from that moment, really. But um, what a great experience it was for me! And you know, I was playing first division footy. We were getting paid; that was a big bonus. So that wasn't something that we were, we were doing at Manukau, you know. So, but we did. We didn't start playing the game for the money of, you know, that wasn't part of, you know, why we started playing the game, but. Yeah, it was just, um, I was lucky that, you know, I went to a, a club that was, you know, on, on the up, but at the same time, I went around uh, with a lot of good, experienced players, and they taught me a lot. And so I, um, that was probably the big catalyst for my career to, um, to kick on, really. You moved on to uh, Wigan, where you became a seven-time Challenge Cup winner. You won the championship. I mean, of all the things you've won over there, is there one that stands out as a real highlight? No, not really. I mean, I'll tell you my, my first Wembley experience um, because that, again, was going into the unknown. We, we, I was lucky enough that I had a lot of sort of great players around me at Wigan, you know, and some of them had played at Wembley, whether for Great Britain or for club sides in the past. But um, it was a, something that I used to dream of when I was a kid. I used to remember my dad getting me up in the early hours of the morning to, to watch the Challenge Cup final, watch the FA Cup final. And just as a young seven, eight-year-old, I, I remember that, you know, that was my goal to play at Wembley Stadium. And that first time, obviously, was a magic moment. And I'll never forget that feeling of waiting in the tunnel and, and then just waiting for the, you know, the, um, the BBC guy just to say, yep, let's start walking out, guys. And then, you know, it was just like your, your feet weren't even touching the ground. It was just like, you know, with the crowd and the, explosion of colour and noise and everything. It just like you it looked like you well, it felt like your feet were weren't even touching the ground. It was just a surreal experience. How did it come about that you ended up being back in New Zealand and, and tied up and captaining the Warriors? Well, I mean John Money, who was who was obviously um, the first Warriors coach, uh, he was my coach at, at Wigan for a number of years, so I remember him coming to me in the car park. I knew about the Warriors. I knew that he'd signed as the head, co- you know, the head coach, the first coach. And um, not for a moment did I think I'd be going back there because I was sort of going on to 33. Well, I would be going on to 33 by the time the, uh, the, the first game came around. And 
I um, I sort of thought, oh, well, I'd probably miss my chance. And then he, he just said to me in, um, after training one day in the car park at Wigan, he said, Dean, he says, I want you to come back and, and captain, um, you know, the first Warriors team. And I actually thought he was joking. And um, so, yeah, well, what a great honour. And I didn't really, I had a few injuries, you know, later in my career. And I thought, oh, if I go back, I could do un- undo a lot of, lot of good sort of things that I've done and, you know, it's going to be tough going back into the NRL at that stage of my life or my career. But it started eating away at me about the what-ifs. And I've, I've always sort of lived my life not to have too many of those because, you know, I, I know I'd regret it and I didn't want to have any regrets. And and I, honestly, if, if I could script the way to have your last season as a player, it would have been just how it happened with the Warriors in '95. It's fantastic. And at 33 years old as well, as you said, you know, you're probably one of the older heads in the team. Well, I was. I was, I was the <laughs> oldest. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> well, it was only 33. So you hung out for the Warriors yeah. for a while. And then, of course, obviously retirement came. So what made you say, right, I've had enough? Oh, just not wanting to uh, go on too long. Um, and, you know, and, and your, your mind tells you obviously your body is telling you also oh i just i just knew there were some signs there that you know i wasn't as fast as i used to be and that was a big strength of mine is, is my speed and uh while i was as strong as i'd ever been that, that was no problem there but you know the game was getting fast i just didn't want to you know i've never wanted to sort of make myself look bad and um i think you know, just sort of for me, that was a good way to bow out. I mean, they did offer me another year um, in '96, so um, I was while I was tempted, I thought, no, nah, I've got to finish on my own terms, and uh, that last year was uh, was perfect for me. And when you hung up your boots and walked away, I believe Stephen Kearney actually gave you a letter to read on the plane. Yeah, he did. He did. He's um, he's a really deep sort of thinker, Stephen, and he he sort of. Um, well, I won't go into too much detail, but he just, he just thanked me for, you know, um, the leadership that I showed him and uh, I suppose the inspiration that I um, I gave him, which I wasn't even aware of, really. I was just being myself, you know, and I think um, it was so nice for him to put it in words and I, I still got the letter in my drawer as well. You toured England with the New Zealand Maori and, of course, with the New Zealand team as well. That would have been a personal highlight for you playing for your country. Oh, yeah, always. I mean, who, who could forget? Um, some of the some of the games that we played in the in those sort of early eighties and mid eighties, um, you know, I was lucky enough to to play in in three uh, test matches where we, we beat the Aussies, which didn't happen too too often in those days, um, you know. And I, I remember the, the first time we beat them in eighty three at Lang Park, and I remember you know Graham Lowe just sort of motivating the team and just really giving us that. That, uh, that I mean, it's that self belief. I think you know Graham was was so good at that in making uh, his players believe that they could win. You know, because I mean, a lot of a lot of teams when they play, you know, it used to happen with anyone who used to play the All Blacks. You know, it was very daunting, wasn't it? It was sort of yeah. they were beaten before they even went on the field. But the Aussies were like that too, and um, he just gave us that self belief. And I remember just beating them at the um, at Lang Park as on their own turf was. Uh, was a huge highlight for me. Absolutely. So, what is Dean Bell doing now? Uh, Dean Bell's working for um, Harbour Hospice, which I'm a, I'm a storeman out at Tangaparoa. I live in Orewa, and um, 
yeah, some storm, and I get on the um, the delivery truck as well, or um, a couple of days a week, and it's uh, yeah, it's good fun. So, what do you think of the Warriors? Is it our year this year, Dean? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I know everybody says that, then starts laughing. So I don't know whether to take it a serious question. Well, um, yeah, they're looking pretty good. They're not looking bad, are they? No, they look. It's a good sign. There, there really is. I mean, hey, I mean, I'll be the last person to sort of get too carried away, but. I mean, and then there's also some signs that, you know, there's still plenty of work to do, too, because, you know, over the weekend, while, you know, they, they hung in there, it was still a, a weakened Roosters side that maybe they, they should have really beaten, you know, if, if I'm going to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, there's some good signs. I think, you know, and, and you've got to look at the depth that they're creating, too. I think that's a big thing. When the Warriors have been strong, they've always had plenty of depth and, you know, other teams playing reserve grade, you know, um, under under twenty ones, whatever it may be. You know, so I know they're they're putting that in place again. So and I look, I actually watched their reserve grade player the weekend, and they they look really good. Well, Dean, congratulations again on an absolutely incredible career, and thanks for joining us today in the Legends Lounge. Okay, Ron, and uh, go the Warriors. Ninety percent of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break, <sighs> and when you do take a break. Enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.